to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first... Bill Bunkley here. Pastor Ralph Yankee Arno and I are heading back to Israel and Jordan this summer, and we want you to come along. It's just $45.95 double occupancy for you to join us, but space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, Go to BillBunkley.com or call me at 813-264-2977. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to Yankee at YankeeArnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Remember in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts where Paul and Silas was in jail? And it was about midnight, and they were singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that night. And the, the Bible says there was, there was an earthquake. But what were they doing? In jail, fastened to the stalks, I mean, arms and legs in irons. They're fastened, and they're singing at midnight. Does that sound like the typical Christian that you know? When things are not going right. And remember... He didn't have to go through all of that hell. He had to just stop and say, I've had enough of this. And he could have had, he was already high up in his religion. I mean, he was somebody. He was a leader. He was looked up to. But look what he chose. And the Lord had told him in chapter 9, as he spoke to Ananias, he says, I'm going to show this man what great things he must suffer for my name. I'm going to show him what great things he had. Look at that chapter 9. You're right there. Look what he says there in verse 15. He says in verse 15 of chapter 9, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, is that what you'd like to hear? What if God called you this morning and says, hey, I got something new for you today. What? I'm going to show you how greatly you're going to suffer for me today. Now, would that be good news? But it's what God wanted. And so God leads us in different paths, even while we're here, and allows a lot of different things to happen, because God can also use that to teach you lessons that you would have never learned. God also sometimes has to pull the rug out from under you, so that you don't get too high and mighty about how great you are. God will allow you to fail at times and suffer defeat because he's, he knows that the worst thing in your Christian life is to be lifted up with pride. So he'll, as you go through life, have you ever felt like, I am a total failure. I have wasted my life. I am no good. I've accomplished nothing. And you get down and discouraged and despair. Great! At least you're not filled with too much pride. But God may have to keep you humble. Because if you got too big for your britches, uh, you just liable to turn on the Lord. And think about like Nebuchadnezzar did when he walked out that day and he looked. Look at this great job that I have done. And while the words were in his mouth, 
God caused him to lose his mind for seven years until he learned that the Most High ruleth over the kingdoms of the earth. And he wasn't as great as he thought he was. You realize that if it wasn't for the grace of God, how little we could ever get done? And yet God is working through people that are limited in their knowledge and uh, talents or abilities and a treasure like the earthen, the gospel and the earthen vessels. We're just earthen vessels. But God gets his job done. But I'm going to show him how greatly he's going to suffer. <laughs> I'd like to have God has a purpose for my life. <laughs> to show me how great I can be. No, I'm going to show you how greatly you're going to suffer. And suffer they did. Now, hold your place right here. But look there in the book of John, the gospel of John and chapter 4. Gospel of John and chapter 4. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ himself had already been to Samaria. He had already planted some seeds there. There were already some believers there. So you notice in uh, chapter 4, where it says here in uh, verse uh, 4, he says, And he, talking about Christ, must needs go through Samaria. Now, if he had to go through Samaria, the only thing we know that happened while he was in Samaria, he talked to the woman at the well that caused her to talk to some men of the city, which came to hear him himself, and then it moves on to something else. So what he must needs do evidently was go to Samaria for one reason, to reach that woman who would reach somebody else. She was a link in a chain. Now, God doesn't make them believe. It's still their choice. But like giving the gospel to her, she could have accepted it or rejected it. She could have went in the city and told the men, or she could have went in the city and said nothing. You see, God doesn't override our will in all these things. He'll say things to us, and you've heard the word of God, and you can still either obey it or disobey it. But notice, in verse 5, then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Has to throw all that stuff in there. And then, now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, been wearied with his journey. Now, he has a, I'm in a human body, but he's tired, and he got weary, and he got thirsty. He, he got hungry. But he says, it was about the sixth hour. Sixth hour from six o'clock in the morning, generally around noon, so it's in the hottest part of the day, and generally this is not the time when people go to draw water. They used to do it in the mornings or in the cool of the day, but it's in the, but why? Because of kind of a woman she was could have been the reason why she went there and probably was alone. In verse 7, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to get them a McDonald hamburger or something, you know. They went to buy something to eat. Because later on it says that's what they did. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, been a Jew, active drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. 
He says, if you knew who I was and what I have, instead of me asking you for water, you would have asked me for some of this living water that I've got. He says, if you drink the water that's in this well, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. So evidently he wasn't talking about the literal physical water because he had just said, give me to drink. He wanted some water. So he wasn't talking about that kind of water. He was talking about living water that once you trust Christ as Savior, you have eternal life. And so he explains all this to this lady. And he says down there in verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not your husband. And that sayest thou truly. Now, he didn't rake her over the coals. He didn't try to humiliate her. He didn't let her know, I know, I know. And he still offers her this free water that she could have. She Later on, she goes and tells the men in the city, come in here, a man that told me, Everything about me. That's a woman exaggerating for you. He didn't say everything about her. He just told you you had five husbands and was living with somebody that wasn't your husband. And so he says, this is what he says in verse 25. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah coming, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And I that speak unto thee am he, Jesus said. So lo and behold, she uh, winds up leaving and Verse 28, and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And so they all came out to see him. And then down there in verse 40, or excuse me, in verse 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. Now, every Sunday morning when we do our you know, reading of our, uh, in our psalm book, by what we say, this is what we believe. This is what we believe. You know, one of those statements in there is right here when it talks about the results of us serving the Lord. And if we will do what God wants to do, look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. See in verse 35? Look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. This is something we say here at Calvary Community. We believe this. Well, what was it talking about? It's talking about serving the Lord and winning people to Christ. As you go through the Bible, people say, well, I get here to, I'm tired of hearing all this about soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. Well, let's go through the Bible and take out every place, just cut it out of the Bible that deals with soul winning. You're not going to have much left. That's what it's about. Go through the book of Acts and take and cut out all the soul winning stories and illustrations. And what are you going to have left? Not much. Because it's all about that. That's what the Christian life is about. And sometimes we can get carried away and forget all about this. And then we focus upon me, mine, my life. Whether am I happy or not happy? Am I pleased or not pleased? Well, go back to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And notice what he says here in verse 9. There was a man here, Simon the sorcerer, and he, uh, he made a good living. You know, casting out 
different things, and there were little miracles and all the signs and so forth. And so people paid him good money. In verse 9, but there was a certain man called Simon, which aforetime in the same city used sorcery, bewitched the people of Samaria, given out that himself was some great one, to whom they had all heed, gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. In other words, he had lied to them, deceived them, and using uh, divination, using, you know, the familiar spirits, things that they can't see, and demonology. But in verse 12, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So these people heard Philip, and lo and behold, they believed it up here in Samaria. So when they believed it, then they were baptized. Then in verse 13, was Simon himself believed also? Some people say that, you know, Simon was not really saved because of some of the things that were said later. But if he wasn't saved, then how do we know the other ones who said up there, they believed, well, they were saved. Either they believed and they were saved, or they did not believe for real and they were not saved. It just says Simon believed also. Also would be the same as the ones up there in verse 12. So I believe that Simon believed. And he was baptized. And the same chapter where he was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, uh, what would hinder me from being baptized? He says, if thou believest with all thine heart. Well, evidently, if he asked this man that, he probably told Simon the same thing. This is something that you believe with all your heart. You believe this. And so I believe that Simon believed it, and he was baptized. And then he says here, because he had the ability to see into the heart of man whether things were right or wrong. And God had blessed him with great wisdom and insight. So then he says in verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is a transition period. They had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Later on, whenever you believe, you get the Holy Spirit the very moment. But before this, that, that you believe on Christ, and then you would receive the Holy Spirit. But it was for the purpose of people having verified for them that what the apostles said was the truth. And it was verified the word of God. So then he makes a statement here in verse 15. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that, through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now remember what he was doing for a living. He was promoting himself as some great power of God, and they people all looked up to him. And here comes along Peter and James and John. <laughs> doesn't say James. But here comes along these people, and they can do all these things. And hey, I want that power. And so he, he offered them money. But notice what he says. He says, saying in verse 19, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, he wasn't asking for salvation. He's talking about this power. 
He wanted to be able to do what they were doing. And so Peter and John, they saw that uh, the man has uh, a wicked heart as far as wanting to do what's right. He wanted it to heap upon himself because of his own personal pride. Uh, he says there in verse 20, But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought, because he was thinking something that wasn't true, that the gift of God might be purchased with money. Now, when you read Acts 2.38, it says the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is not the gift of God or gift of eternal life. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit, because that's the power that he wanted. He says, you think you can buy that? You can't buy that. So he says in verse 21, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this manner, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, of what they, he was doing at this time on this issue, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. He didn't say, I perceive, you're lost. He didn't, you know, it's not about being lost. You can be saved. Can you still get bitter? You can be saved and still do things wrong, and you can be saved and want power, and you can be saved and want a, you know, fame, honor, and power, and glory. You can want all those things as a saved person. That doesn't make it right, but doesn't mean you're not saved. And so he says, verse 24, Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye the Lord for me, that none of those things which you have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So we know the Samaritans were north of Jerusalem. But because Jerusalem is on a mountain, they went down to Samaria. And then Jesus had already been there in John chapter 4. And evidently there were some people there that had already believed. But now a church was being formed. They got people to come together. And anytime you have the Lord in the middle of something, you have the devil involved in something. And just like anytime you want to do something right, the devil also wants you to do something wrong. So he's always going to be resisting you. Uh, take your Bible and just look over there at this scripture. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And you'll notice in chapter 16, and look in verse 9. The apostle Paul, as he tells these believers there at Corinth, even though they were carnal-minded Christians, he said, I can't speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Because they had not matured in the Lord. So he says in verse 9, For a great door... And effectual is open unto me. A great opportunity. And there are many adversaries. When you have a great door, a great opportunity, there's going to be also many adversaries. Things to go with against you. Serving the Lord is not going to be a free ride. You see, going to heaven, that's a gift. That's free. But just because you trust Christ as your Savior, don't think for a moment that eliminates all the rest of the problems in life. Now, that's why God says he wants to walk with you through life and to give you the strength and grace to maintain a Christian testimony. It's not to give you all the money you need. It's not to give you the best house you want to live in. It's not the where you can wear the best clothes. It's not to give you fame, power, honor, and glory. It's that you might maintain the image of Christ, that you represent Christ in all situations 
regardless of how much you must suffer. And some people allow suffering to destroy them because it makes them bitter, because they get hurt. And when you get hurt and don't get that hurt taken care of, you get bitter. And that's why he says in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews that because of bitterness, it becomes like a root that springs up and many people become defiled because anytime you get bitter, you will bitter other people. Anytime you complain, not just to yourself, you'll complain to other people that will complain to other people that will complain to other people. It never stops with just you. And so, same thing can happen if you're, you're happy and joy of the Lord. You can sow joy. And then those people that you cause to be feeling or controlled by joy, they, they will spread that too. So, what kind of an influence do you want to have? You and I, in serving the Lord, are nothing more than instruments of influence. And as you go through life, there's a certain amount of people you have influence with. And how do you influence them? The greatest influence you're supposed to have is those who live with you. Wouldn't you say? Your husband, your wife, your kids. You know each other. Influence them in the right direction. Never influence them in the wrong direction. And then you kind of spread out from there. How do you influence people on the job? How do you influence people at church? When you're in social life. How do you influence people? And so we're always under this power of influence. But he says, great many adversaries. Now, look in verse 13. I want you to see verse 13. I shared this the other day with some individuals. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all things be done with love or charity. Now, you notice it didn't say, you know, pray for all these little bitty things that we, we get bogged down in because we, we, we don't want to suffer and go through some of these things. So we always praying. God didn't say that's not, he didn't say that was wrong. He says, don't forget, there's something bigger than all of that. And that's bigger than your problems is his cause. And so he says, quit you like men. That word quit. To carry through. To do or perform something to the end. So that no thing remains to discharge or perform completely. Quit you like men. Why? Because men don't quit. You stay in there. You keep doing what's right. Many adversaries. And here you are this morning. Does that mean because you came to church, you're not going to have any problem for the rest of the day? If you get up in the morning and you read your Bible for a half an hour and you pray for another half an hour, it means you're not going to have any problems that day. No, but you'll be able to face those problems better. It sets the attitude that you're going to have for that day. Because you know that the devil is alive and well on planet Earth, and he's going to work on you. And so you want to be prepared. So there's things you put off, and there's things you put on. And God will bless you if you put them to the test. Look what he says in verse 15. I just want to show you this verse. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia. And that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Addicted themselves. Now, I think it's good to have an addiction program. But I'd love to have every person in the church with an addiction program. In the right thing. You can become addicted to studying God's word. Addicted to prayer. Addicted to witnessing. Addicted to carrying tracts. Addicted to praying. Serving the Lord can become an addiction. I had this addiction that started back about 50-something years ago. And I'm just like a drug addict. I, got, I just got to keep doing this thing because I have this addiction. 
Now, you can have alcoholism. It can be an addiction. And drugs can be an addiction. Profanity can be an addiction. You can have all these things can be an addiction. Well, you just get to choose. Everybody has an addiction. It's just which ones do you have? What are you addicted to? I hope it's the best things and the right things. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. God doesn't want us to go to hell. He wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, yeah, we've got to be perfect. And nobody's perfect. But because we've all sinned, we're all condemned. We're condemned to an everlasting fire in hell. And so God says you cannot save yourself. You can't deliver yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. You see, our sin separates us from God. So what Christ did was he took away that which separated us. He took our sins, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. He said if we would believe he did it for us, he would put the payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to trust the Lord today, not tomorrow, today. This is urgent. I had a man tell me one time, not now. I said, would you do me a favor? He said, sure. I said, don't die. He said, I can't control that. Point well taken. Can't you see why you need to trust the Lord right now? Because you're not guaranteed another minute. But do you understand the consequences by rejecting Christ as your Savior? It's not just a little game we play. To reject this payment Christ made, you're rejecting Christ, you're rejecting God, you're rejecting His love, you're rejecting His salvation. And there's a great consequence for doing so. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do so. If you're watching by internet, you can do it right where you are. You don't have to walk an aisle, sign a card. You don't have to give any money. You don't have to do anything. Salvation is the gift of God. It's free. All he wants you to do is believe that when he died on that cross, he died for you. He paid for your sins so that you wouldn't have to pay for them. So if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope you see the urgency of doing so. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Always intending to, but just maybe haven't done it yet. Maybe you're getting your last warning. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask for a raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, preacher, that made sense to me. I want to know I have eternal life. And I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Friend, I'd love to do that. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It's just to let me know. I'm not going to embarrass you. But does anyone at all say, yes, preacher, I will trust Christ right now. And I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. Anyone at all? And with all, just slip it up very quickly. I will not have you embarrassed or have you forward or do anything to you. And with it all. That means that every one of y'all in this room, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, take this thing seriously. Find out those in your family. Talk to them. Ask them. Do you know you're going to heaven when you die? You've got to have that urgent, that compassion that they know you really love them and you really care about them. Not to say anything, does that mean you don't really care? Make it a point of your life. 
that this is what my life is going to be about. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for this time together. And we thank you for the ministry you've given us and for the souls that have been reached. And for the people here that give and sacrifice and work so hard. We thank you for your watch, care, and your love and all your provision. We pray that the donations that people give would be sufficient to take care of the needs that are coming. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.